Hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, every week about anything and everything property. Now, I've already been up on my soapbox with Simon and he's been grinning about the travails I've had recently. So be pre-warned and warned that this this may be a bit of a ranty episode. And whilst we're ranting, before we do get into it, please do leave us a rating or review. It really does help us get that message out there. And we have been getting some really positive feedback recently. So we know there is, there's definitely some people enjoying the show. But And if you are, please do acknowledge that on your podcast player of choice. So Simon, we've been talking pre-record about the fun of maintenance and just dealing with our properties in general. What's happening in your world that you want to get off your chest? <laughs> I, I, I like that. The, the, the tone throughout that entire intro is this sort of bubbling tension. <laughs> we'll see if we can we can get to that a, a little little bit later. <laughs> but my my recent maintenance issue was actually a little while ago. So so my my stress over it has largely subdued by now. I I had a a, a boiler issue, and this was. This, this was ooh, now at least a month ago, maybe a bit longer, and the weather was definitely still quite cold. And it's really not the kind of time you or, or your tenants want to have a, a boiler issue. And just to make it even worse, it happened on a Friday. So I received a message from my, my tenant saying, our boiler is packed up. We can't get the heating to come on or any hot water. It's a, it's a combi boiler. So as soon as it, it stops, they have nothing. There's, there's no hot water tank. So... Uh, I got back to them and said, well, have you checked that the, the pressure is okay and there's a, a sort of refilling process that you can go through on the underside of the boiler to top up the pressure and things? And they, they confirmed, yes, they've gone through all that and, and still still not working. So then I thought, okay, fine, fair enough. Time for time for a professional. Contacted my my uh, plumber who I, I use and quite promptly, thankfully, he got back to me and said, I've got COVID, can't go anywhere. <laughs> So, so now it's, oh no, <laughs> what do I do now? I don't know anyone else. And on this particular day, I then had a series of meetings booked, and all phone meetings, doing, doing remote things these days, but there are things that I couldn't get out of. So it's, ah, tenants on a Friday with no boiler, looking at a, a weekend without out heating, and I wasn't actually available to, to do anything about it. My, my normal plumber very kindly said he'd, he'd ask around a couple of contacts, see if anyone was available. And, and they weren't. So then between meetings later on in the day, I got in touch with my VA, my virtual assistant, who, who normally just does sort of background things for me. I've, I've never had to, to ask them to do anything urgent before, but, but they were really good. And thankfully, they had a little bit of time and they were able to also start asking around. And oh, my goodness, there's, there's just no plumbers anywhere. Everybody booked up. I was getting responses back or my VA was getting responses back saying, Yes, yes, we can come and deal with that in two weeks' time. My, my tenants don't have any heating. It's cold. <laughs> you, you can't wait two weeks. They, they did find one company that was, that was able to come out almost straight away, in fact, even over the weekend. But they said the, the call-out charge, just, just to come and, and look at it before they even started providing parts or, or fixing, was going to be 120 quid. I said, not sure I want to commit to that. I mean, yes, I, I don't want my tenants to be without heating for two weeks, but 
hopefully there's a, a better middle ground solution somewhere. So, so I asked my, my VA to, to keep looking. And they did, in the end, find a plumber that said, okay, we can probably come out sort of at the end of, of Monday, at least to, to have a look and work things out. So I had to go back to my, my tenants and say that this is the what we're looking at as the plan. And only at that point did they reveal to me that, oh, actually, we've we've got a, a brother-in-law who's a, who's a plumber. So, oh, you couldn't have said this earlier. <laughs> and and we've been in touch with him, and he's going to pop round over the weekend and just, just check things over for us. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened, and I had more messages from my tenants over the weekend that they had managed to source some electric heaters to, to at least keep a couple of rooms warm. And I also had a couple of electric heaters that I'd volunteered to them, but they, they said, no, they've got got a couple from elsewhere they're they're fine so at least they had some heating even if they didn't have hot water and their relative popped around over the weekend had a look at the boiler and said the pump's gone uh you need to get a new pump unfortunately it's going to take a week (laughs) so so not only are there no plumbers there are also no supplies (laughs) however um i think perhaps because they're they're a relative and they wanted to try and help them out as much as they could they said this boiler is an alpha boiler and alpha actually do fixed price repairs on their boilers and their plumbers have parts for most of their their boilers in their vans so they're pre-stocked rather than having to order in from somewhere and they said the part will cost you about 250 quid just just to buy the part and then they'd be fitting however alpha it wasn't certain but he thought alpha did fixed price repairs of about 250 quid per repair. So, okay, fantastic. Monday morning, I contacted Alpha, and yeah, sure enough, they do do fixed price repairs. It was actually 255 pounds, I think, and they would come out and fix whatever was needed. So I thought, okay, this is great. They fortunately confirmed that they do have parts and they all their engineers would be carrying them, but they couldn't confirm how quickly an engineer would be available. And they said it might be up to two days. However, that was still faster than anyone else could get the part. So I thought this was our, our best option and booked with them. And in actual fact, the, the Alpha engineer turned up at the tenants later that afternoon and indeed had the part, fixed it on the spot, and my tenants had heating again. So, oh my goodness, that was quite a stressful weekend, worrying about people without heating or hot water and lots of phone calls and a plumber and a virtual assistant uh, making lots of phone calls to lots of other plumbers and failing to to find people who are available really so it's i think my lesson from that is try and have at least a couple of plumbers that you're aware of in your local area just in case one gets covid or or is on holiday or, or some other possible thing that's less drastic than covid yeah and i think anyone that owns property and invests in property will all be nodding along just yeah we we know this story and I think it's always compounded when it's something like hot water, you know, one of the basic, you know, things that we need in life. And just the desire to get that resolved is, I think, what compounds the the thoughts in our head around, you know, how quickly we can get it done and, and looking at it. But it sounds like, as always, you've, you know, you dealt with it as diligently as you as you could to, to get it resolved and I think that's all anyone can ever ask and it sounds like you got it done for a reasonable price in the end because 250 quid in relation to a boiler in my experience sounds relatively okay yeah I mean 
as I said, the, the part was about 250 quid or would have been about 250 quid if I had to buy that separately. And then a normal plumber obviously would have charged fitting and, and call out and stuff on top of that. So, so yeah, overall, I think it actually worked out as a, a very good solution financially. And it took three days, but it was over a weekend. So again, also probably fairly good time-wise. But, but yeah, it was it was looking like it was going to be a lot worse than that for, for quite a lot of that yeah time over the weekend and like you said i i have i have three so i've I've got one that i will always go to first who's usually very expedient diligent and and the rest of it but you know for those situations where he can't do i've I've also got numbers two and three yeah i think you're doing very well being prepared for that i have properties in a number of different areas but in this the area this property is in I only have the one plumber that I've been using for years now. And and yeah, he's he's very good, as you say, very diligent, normally very, very available and, and happy to help. I mean, even ill with COVID, he was still very good and, and tried to help out. But but yes, I need need a spare. And I do now have, have a contact of the, of the the one other plumber that wasn't saying they were only available in two weeks' time. So, so that, that's a, a backup contact, at least, even if I haven't actually tried using them yet. Yeah, and it's always good to have new good people in your back pocket. Yes, indeed. So moving on from my rant, which actually took a lot longer than I was expecting, and actually I think probably sounded a bit more ranty than I was expecting as well. <laughs> but um, I thought we'd, we'd, there, there are a couple of things that you, you were ranting about prior to us starting to record, and I think we, we thought we might try and focus on on the perhaps slightly less ranty one, and, but we'll see how we go. And that's around trying to get an HMO refinanced, or, or I think you said further borrowing actually approved on, on this property, didn't you? Yeah. So you've been doing this for, for a few months now. How, how's that story unfolding? Well, yeah, so it's a further advance, which as anyone that's listened to this before knows that's, you know, part of what I do. Part of the model is, is you know, we refinance a bit of it to 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 cover costs and i just double checked and and i started this process actually in september which you know is you know if i'm being kind around six months ago now and i have to say that the bank in this question is is one savings bank stroke kent reliance and the first part of it was probably delayed slightly by me because there wasn't any urgency on it and they they wanted I'll start with the first crazy thing is that when we wanted to further advance, what Kent Reliance now do is that their their desktop valuation has now recently on more than one property valued the property at lower than the current mortgage. So just to just to make they try and make that a little bit clearer, because it's even confusing to me. They previously valued the property at, let's say, 260000 and loaned 85% on that. Yet their desktop valuation now values it at 220000 So according to their own work, they're saying, well, you've currently got a, a, heart, you know, a, a loan to value, which, does, which we don't, wouldn't do. And therefore, you're on a standard variable rate, which, which you can't come off which essentially just forces you into a proper valuation because you say, well, hold on, you only valued this less than a year ago. So we're confident it hasn't dropped off £40,000 because we put five showers in and we've we've done lots of nice stuff to it. And, and, and the property market's gone up. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't think I trust their desktop valuers. No. 
I, I don't either. And that's a, that's a separate conversation. So I delayed it slightly because I had to pay for evaluation, which is, you know, 500 quid, you know, or thereabouts. But that was in, uh, just double checked, I organised that in October. Now, since then, what, what the, the wonderful bank then decided was that even though this specific property, they have mortgaged for me for the duration I've had it, which is now around seven years. It's always had an HMO licence and the property is in an Article 4 area, which which means that typically you do need to have planning permission. So we've talked about this on previous podcasts where actually because the two departments aren't connected and don't align, it's quite feasible that you'll have an HMO licence, but you don't have planning permission. That's never been an issue for Kent Reliance apart from now. So they then said, well, we need to see your planning permission. Okay, it's fine. Part of me says, well, I kind of need to do that anyway. So I'll just get it done. And guess what? Another £500. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So I spend that £500. I get the planning permission. And then they say, you haven't got a current license. I said, no, because it expired when the tenants had left because it's a student property. And we were just waiting. It's now in a queue. And I already had an email because I've been down this road many times before. I had an email from the council which said, your application is in our queue and it can take months, I mean, several months. But this email constitutes the fact that you are legally licensed. In fact, hopefully that will make sense. I've sent that email as a PDF more times than I care to remember via the broker to Kent Reliance because they kept asking for an HMO license and I kept referring them back to the email and said, it's in the queue, blah, blah, blah. As if that weren't enough, they then said the two-storey tenement, which is an old kind of wooden back building. And again, we did a lot of refurbishment works and the thing stayed up. So it's, it's, it's been well built, to be fair. It's got a bathroom in it as well. That two-storey building has been there, again, since we purchased the property with Kent Reliance, who have not only loaned on it, but they've further advanced on it previously. They then said they now want to see the planning permission for that, uh, by which time I think they just think I'm printing money from my home printer because, of course, I then have to. I mean, of course, you're, you're in a rock and a hard place because if I want the further advance, I've got to do it. And again, I guess the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, come exit day, at least we'll have all of the paperwork we need for a potential buyer. So let's do it. That's, uh, that cost another £300 and crossing someone's palm with silver. And as the, the rants emanated from the fact that you and I just talking before we hit the record button was that I have sent this, we, we got a certificate of lawfulness. And that's something interesting to talk about because, because the thing has been there for six years. It just it has this certificate of lawfulness. So, I'm, you know, obviously I can imagine a lot of people going, hmm, well, hold on, if I just build this, don't tell anyone about it for six years and then talk about it. But anyway, that's probably a different podcast. Um, I've sent it twice to the broker, who then yesterday sent me an email saying, the bank are now requesting a certificate of lawfulness. I said, what, what, the one I've sent twice? I mean, I literally did have to use the FFS acronym on an email to the broker. I said, I don't. I said I'm now getting deeply concerned. Where are these emails? Where is this documentation going? I mean, who's receiving? I mean, is it, are they just printing it off and putting it straight into a shredder? Because not only have us had to spend over a fifteen hundred pounds to make it as compliant as Kent Reliance want it, although they'd never had any interest in that before, it's now taken me, yeah, you know, into April 
you know, to five months to to earn this money to 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 to, to get the further advance. But uh, that I believe concludes the rant. <laughs> oh, that, that was very good. And and I, I'm going to ask some questions about it to see if I can prolong the rant a little. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned that this property is in an Article Four area. So I think I think it's correct. I could be wrong, but I think it's correct that HMO properties always need to, a, a change of use. So that's sort of the, the planning permission element of it. However, that's a, a permitted development type thing. So it's a, a change that you can just allow automatically everywhere, except where an Article 4 has been applied, because Article 4s are used to remove rights that are normally automatic, so permitted development rights. And the most common use for them is to remove the ability to transform a, a property into an HMO to change its official use. So you you would have had to have gone through a, a planning process of some description to get that planning permission to change that usage class in an Article 4 area. What what did that process actually look like? You must, must have had to talk to the council and you said it cost 500 quid or so. But is it just a, a simple form on a, on a website and then you wait for a little while? Or yeah, do you have to phone people up and provide documentation? I, I have no idea what, what, what's involved. Well, the first thing to say is every council probably does things a little bit differently, in my experience. I'm sure they do. <laughs> and secondly, that the HMO, HMO rules have been changing sort of ever so slightly, particularly in the area that I'm investing in. So, you know, in our local area, for example, you know, an HMO would be classed as, you know, three three stories and then uh, five unrelated parties, for, for example, for it, for it to be considered an HMO. Therefore, if you had a two-story, three people, you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry about licensing. So that, I just wanted to say that because that was also the case in this area until they put an article four direction on it which means it, it doesn't really matter now as like if, as soon as you've got three people in a property three or more then then it's become an hmo and to answer your question yeah it's, it's a simple form online i mean obviously i do a lot with in this area with this council so i always tend to make a phone call first to say do you really need me to do this and of course, they always say, yes, please give us your credit card number. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, you fill out a form online. And I mean, the good news for me on most of this, because of my sort of knowledge and experience, is that you know, I, I tend to know what will will get an HMO license. And, and, and typically, again, the, this area, it's you have to be able to demonstrate for 10 years. And in fact, I did this on a, on a recent three bed. And again, it was a three bed where historically i wouldn't have needed an hmo license so didn't even consider it but we took a i actually took a four bed and made it a three bed three on suite and what the council wanted me to do was prove that it had been a multi-use property for 10 years or more and i had bought the property my company brought property uh in the end in 2020 and it had sat empty for four years now but it just so happened that we had been on very good terms with the with the vendor because she needed some legal stuff sorting and we'd exchange emails. And it turns out she lived about an hour down the road and was a very diligent managing agent, so to speak, and had reams and reams of 
letting agreement to demonstrate that it had been rented as a multi-let from 2005 to like 2015. But that's the level of detail we had to go. However, on this particular property that I'm ranting about today, it's been my property. So I I know that we've had an HMO license on it. So what we need to do is, uh, again, I've, I've got a contact there. I just said, can you please send me, you know, the dates of all of my licenses? And I've got them. But what's better to prove to the council that you've got evidence than an email from someone else in the council that you can then send as a PDF and say, look, this shows that I've had it as an HMO since... 2015 and it was an HMO prior to that so really you just need to evidence that it has been an HMO and also in this area if it was an ever if it was an HMO prior to 2012 that tends to just say yes you'll get a tick I mean I, I am finding it quite um, an interesting subject now because now we're looking at other developments and it's article four there's criteria that we've talked about before in terms of penetration of HMOs within your street or and or postcode which which makes it all more technical but then that's why i guess i quite like doing it because not everyone wants to do it yeah and you're right it varies from council to council and every article four area has its own definition and councils have chosen to restrict things in their own ways for specific areas or streets or postcodes or what have you and in actual fact, I'll put in a quick plug for, for Patma because Patma actually has collected together all of the HMO licensing and additional licensing and selective licensing and Article 4 areas for, for the whole of England. And you can actually look those up through, through Patma and find out whether an area you're considering is covered or, or not by, by those restrictions. But plug, plug done. The other thing you said you had to get was a certificate of lawfulness. Mm. So what was the process for that? Again, you have to, so you have to go through the, the, the council planning department, or that's my process. And it is, these are online forms. But again, I, I guess I'm just old school. I like talking to people, even if that means holding for about 31 minutes to speak to an actual person. Not, not that you timed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to build myself. For the time I use on these calls, you see. So, you know, yeah, I speak to someone and say, look, this is this is what we're doing. And essentially they just say, yeah, you, you need to fill out a form and someone will be in touch. And certificate of lawfulness requires a few bits of evidence. You know, they will ask for, obviously, if you've if, if it's done been done fairly recently, as in like last five years, they'll ask for any documentation you've got to, to show that, any building regs, evidence and any evidence you've got that it was there. Now, obviously, it's tricky. I bought this in 2015, and obviously, you go back through your purchasing, conveyancing file, and because this didn't come up. Once again, it didn't come up at the time with this bank. didn't come up via my solicitor, so it's not something I thought about or looked into deeply. However, having said that, there was a document from a, an engineer, you know, a surveyor, where I guess I probably at the time, again, I've got no recollection. I think I paid someone a few hundred pounds, again, 500 pounds seems to be the magic number, to actually re- look at the building, as in this rare tenement, to report on the soundness of it. You know, obviously, the, the soundness of the, of the structure. And, and so, that, so I could actually use that document and say, look, this building was already here when I bought it seven years ago. And you can see that because here I've instructed a an engineer, a civil engineer to have a look at it 
So, and and in his report, it says, you know, this structure has been here for X number of years, but it's sound in nature. It looks like there's been some movement, but that's just in line with all the other properties in this street. Essentially, all looks fine. And so I think that's the only thing I had, other than the fact that I'd bought it about seven years ago. And I'm pretty sure, and I, I have the document somewhere, but I'm pretty sure they said it, that, one, that it predated six years. So on this, and again, I'm pretty sure every case is different. I'm not saying this is a carte blanche rule of thumb, but I think in this specific issue, because they word it very carefully, of course, to say in this specific issue, because it was six years prior, we, we've granted the lawfulness of it. Yeah, it was six years. So uh, that was pretty much it. So it's just as much evidence as I could have provided, which wasn't a lot, to be fair, other than the fact that this is my um, uh, completion statement. So you can see that I did buy it on this date. And here's a, something from an engineer that said it looks good. And it's obviously been there for a while at, at, up to that point. Yeah, you said it's not much evidence, but I think that sounds like fantastic evidence because it it's exactly right from the beginning of your involvement in it. A trusted source saying this structure exists and not only that that it's been there for a while so so yeah might not have been very much but it sounds sounds like very good evidence and and was obviously enough yeah no you're right you're right i mean i guess i think in my head i'm thinking what they want to see is a is a builder's invoice you know and then a you know whatever building regs should have been required at the time but but you're right and i was i was actually pleased to have had that and maybe that was a requirement at the time for the bank the bank just said maybe get something to tell us that this structure is sound otherwise we won't lend on it so so maybe they were but uh, but to wait several years to to then make me spend so much money but there you go so that's the that's the experience and i guess it's all well that ends well we've got tenants with a working boiler that have heating and hot water at the right time and you know i have documentation and so now it's all over to the bank and Please God, they won't be listening, and I'm sure they won't have listened to all the way to the end. To but uh, if you are, please could you just push the button and uh, put the further advance in my account? Thank you very much. Uh, other than that, that is the end of this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please do have a look at Patma. Uh, I certainly will be related to the Article Four because that certainly will be a tool that's of use to me. And as always, you can have a chat with us on at biz biz at biz of property on twitter or reach out to us at the business of and we'll see you on the next episode